0: Bo White.
1: Yeah, it, it was it was great getting to chat with Bo. Bo is this incredible musical force. Uh, I always joke that he's going to be the not that he's musically that reminiscent, but in in the way that Neutral Milk Hotel and Jeff Mangum, you know, ten years after their their first run, became kind of the biggest indie rock band. If something like that doesn't happen with any number of of Bo's records, it's a shame just because he's put out you know countless masterpieces that I don't think just because they didn't shoot them to start them right now does not mean that uh they don't have a chance for for new life down the road. They're just that good of records that it doesn't matter if they're part of the of a current record cycle or promotion campaign they if they're discovered by the right person at the right time there's just endless potential with any of those records. Um and Bo and I have a, a pretty deep history. He he recorded the first couple records from the group I play with and uh, you know, he inspired me long before then when we when we shared a bill when I was just a teenager and he was probably just out of college, uh, at a DIY spot called Wonder Root in Atlanta. But Bo's got you know, like I said, tons and tons of amazing music out there. I'd say more recently, he's focused a bit on his project called Patois Counselors, um, who I believe is working on a new full-length at the moment. Um, and they have an, uh, a recent full-length and a 7-inch out before that as well. Um, so definitely go check that out. Um, and really just everything he's done is, is inspiring and ambitious and just all around super super impressive Um, so if you aren't familiar with those music please please take the time to to experience it and take it in just because I I I find it incredibly moving Um, and he's just the most charming dude ever like he's he's really 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 personable and just like when we spoke to uh, Justin of Susto recently you know somebody I knew well but don't get uh, the opportunity to speak to in this long form way as often as i like. So it was great getting a chance to do that with Bo. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode with Bo White, a.k.a. Bosef if you know him well enough. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks, if guys. If you like it, uh, make sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. All righty. See you, guys.
0: i was growing up the only place to buy cds in town was walmart and we had a small uh, a small walmart too so the selection wasn't even that great um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so I, I would drive to rock hill to buy cds and then closer to college age i would ride up to uh ride up to charlotte but um it was you know it was fine like i There wasn't anywhere to play uh, for high school bands, so uh, we didn't play live. Really, we played uh, like friends' houses a couple of times, but that was just like us playing and like some friends hanging out. So, really, when I got to college, it was kind of like I had been woodshedding since the sixth grade, and it was like, all right. now I can do shows and uh, just kind of cut loose and um
1: where did you go to college?
0: at Winthrop okay nice Winthrop and Rock Hill yeah and uh went for uh, jazz guitar and then my professor just kind of irked me and I would taken so many classes that by the end of the year I switched to composition instead so I could take my private lessons with a composition professor and uh that was real cool got got to experience some some different stuff in that regard
1: yeah i had no idea that you you started uh studying jazz guitar um, yeah yeah man. that's cool man um so yeah i mean what was the what was the first group that you really started playing with like was it Ya or was it before that
0: uh, before that, I had a, <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I, I started bands way, way back, but, yeah, but, but I guess the first one, really gigging, had a
1: terrible name,
0: of course, as all early bands do, but it was called Premium Blend.
1: <laughs> oh, man. What's it? Isn't and there a show called Premium Blend? There, there
0: was. Nice. <laughs> and, but it, we... We're unaware of that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, uh, but we were kind of, uh, we were a little bit funky and we were definitely weird and had some, like, improv stuff, but it was nowhere near real, like, jazzy stuff. But we had more, like, noise breakdowns and stuff. But we had a pretty long set and, um, it was, palatable enough to be listened to at bars and stuff so we we'd play like uh McHale's in rock hill oh yeah and it was a lot different back then um it was only half the size that it is now it didn't have yeah. the
1: upstairs and everything i mean it's not huge now so it's kind of crazy to, to imagine it being a-
0: oh man it was it was fantastic and when i think back on it when I mean, now uh, I love going to New Orleans and it has kind, it used to have kind of a New Orleans club vibe
1: yeah, inside that.
0: that place um when it was smaller you know people would pack it out and but we had you know <laughs> we'd go and we'd play two and
1: a half hours and uh what kind of stuff are you playing then uh well one thing
0: stood out it was all instrumental Uh, but it was mostly originals we just wrote these weird little songs it it was kind of they they'd start off almost like a like a meters sort of thing but but noisier and then we just stretch them out do weird stuff
1: yeah you could yeah if you're if you're kind of like you're saying giving it that that meter's groove to kind of keep everything cohesive, you can really kind of have fun on top of that if you've got yeah. some, some sort of backbeat to hold And it, it was, a, you know,
0: it was kind of the time for that, too. I went to college in uh, uh, 2000, or 99, 1999 was when I started college. So, uh, you know, back then everybody was, there was still... A fair amount of jam, folks that were around. It was kind of like the last hurrah of the majority of that, and so we get we had some crossover for that from that. But we were we were strange, man. We had people come up and they were like, "Oh, it kind of sounds like Promise," <laughs> which people used to tell us that about uh, Clavial too, which ne- neither of those bands sounded like Promise.
1: Yeah, but uh, but, but it was I just see something what weird to them and and yeah. something else they could think of that was that weirded them out was Primus, so they're just typecasting you a little bit.
0: Yeah, but it's you know people go off of what yeah. they know. So. but um, so that was that was the first one. That's that's kind of one I don't really, you know, it was it was good for the time, but right, I'm glad I'm glad it didn't really stick around. Much yeah. longer. Although I do, I do, I had good friends in that band, um, but then that branched out. Uh, in sophomore year, late sophomore year, our drummer, who was pretty integral to the band, he was a, just a beast, absolute beast. Um, he decided he didn't want to play in the group anymore, so I started moving into a little bit more of like. I want to say kind of garageier, bluesier stuff, and kind of like John Spencer esque, yeah, sort of vein. And I started a band called the Staple Gunners.
1: Oh yeah, I've heard of that one.
0: Yeah, and uh, that one played out a pretty good bit too. And we also had a pretty extensive set, and um, that. And I had an improv group called the Constructs that people. Likened that to Radiohead But it was nothing like Radiohead <laughs> And it was It was all improv We'd just show up With no set And uh, It was the actual songs That we would kind of wrestle out Of whatever was happening And um, it was, That was pretty exciting um, And then Let me see I was in a band with Greg Ellis He asked oh, me yeah. to be in
1: a group with him what was that band?
0: That band was called Entropy Fan. Man. And uh, that group was, I mean, he, he was way into um, Unwound. So it sounded a lot like Unwound and kind of like he liked Jets to Brazil and stuff like that, which I was not a, you know, whatever. I appreciate Jets to Brazil, all right. They were very over their time, but it wasn't exactly my bag. Right. As much as as much as some of the other stuff, some yeah. of his other influences, but Greg, Greg is the one. He and the girlfriend I was I was dating a an older lady at the time, and both of them kind of turned me on to more even more cooler stuff, basically. Right. Um, and uh, Greg, man, I used to we'd hang out like after practice and stuff and he's with his librarian background he had a personal archive of punk it was just incredible and you know he was into all kinds of stuff so like he was this was before you could find all this shit on youtube he was showing me concert footage of the fall and black flag and Ubu. And That's
1: sick, man. So he just had his a personal collection of all that. What what kind of... Was it like VHS tapes? It's all
0: VHS. That's VHS.
1: Incredible. And he had
0: traded, you know, like he, he'd been in it for a long, long time. He still is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and that stuff... That stuff had an impact on me for sure just because I had a... a, a i've always kind of leaned toward the weirder stuff you know i kind of look at what it, what i have available and find the stuff that's interesting and lean into the to that and that kind of suited the bill for me really well um and then i i got into skin graft records and all that sort of stuff and we started kalabi um i i met Davey the drummer from Clabial at a uh, manifest discs. I had just started working there and, uh, he, well, actually I didn't meet him there. I met him. He, he was brought in to drum for entropy fan. He auditioned to drum for entropy fan and Greg being a drummer himself, he decided to not go with Davy cause Davy is a wild man. Like you, uh, He's so idiosyncratic
1: right, that he yeah. kind of... like it's, you know, He's a great drummer, but maybe won't be the perfect drummer for every band. Just like how, yeah, and especially like how Keith it, Moon is an amazing drummer, but there's a reason he wouldn't work in the Beatles, you know? You're
0: right. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And uh, Greg being a drummer himself and the songwriter, Greg wasn't able to just tell him to say, hey, play this, and Davey pulled that. It's like, no, Davey's he's got his own thing. But I thought it was incredible, and I told him so. And then I later working at manifest, I saw him in the use section, immediately spotted him. I walked over. I was like, man, we got to play music together. Totally. <laughs> I was like, I was like, cause I love your drumming stuff. And he was like, okay. Uh, and he started, I was still living in Rock Hill and driving up to Charlotte to work. This was the original Yow house, what it became. Right. Um, Robin Dorman was living with me and uh, who was also in Colabial. Uh, me, Robin, and Davey and so he, Davey would drive down to Rock Hill to practice like three times a week um, which is crazy to think about now it's like I don't I don't have any bands that practice that much, unfortunately
1: one that you're commuting for, I mean not far, yeah. but still well, commuting see,
0: n- n- well see that's the thing you say not far, but he was actually living in Iron Station, uh. which is north of Charlotte. So, and he had a he had a full time job as a horticulturalist at a golf course up in kind of kind of toward Gastonia. And so that man, he was he, putting in miles, man. He was putting in crazy miles and like super into it. And I, I, I know, I'm sure he must have enjoyed it. There's no other reason why. But uh, but eventually we moved to Charlotte, and uh, and he moved in with us, and that became the Charlotte Yow House. And we, you know, we were we were the weird rock band, and I I feel like the old heads in Charlotte dug it enough that we were. We were asked to play with you know some older established acts, Snagglepuss and that kind of thing, and uh, and Davy had been uh, ingrained in the Charlotte music scene a, a bit at that point, so he already had some connections. So we had this weird end to where we were the new guys. We were young. Let's see. At that point, I would have been let's see, twenty three. Oh wow! But I was twenty three in days. So what year is
1: this? This
0: was two
1: thousand five. Okay. No, two thousand four. Yeah, that adds up because because yeah. uh, I you yeah. know I would have been turned on to yard work probably two thousand seven. Does that sound right? Yeah, two thousand seven, two
0: thousand eight. Yeah. But those those years, man, we packed a lot we crammed a lot into there um and i started meeting people and i was like well shit i love being in multiple bands and so i just started uh starting other bands (laughs) joining joining other groups and recording people and uh, kind of went on from there
1: well man i I feel like I've always thought of and I think I've told you this before and it it probably just sounds like i'm I'm gushing but I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it and that i I feel like uh you're kind of like in the same I would say that if, if the same thing that happened to Newtramuuk hotel in the sense that you know like they had this recognition but then they disappeared and maybe like a decade later they were like the biggest indie rock band that <laughs> If that doesn't happen based off of any number of the records that you've put out into the world, it's just an absolute shame because it's. I feel like you've put out multiple masterpieces, and and there's a. I don't know. Despite our friendship, I still feel like there's some some lore around you as a, as a player, uh, and it's just like. A, I mean, you're kind of an N C legend, man. Um, but yeah, like you know. Speaking of just like kind of ambitious and and well executed works, uh I think what what really I mean, I guess the first thing of yours that really captivated me was we played a show together in Atlanta when you were playing with the yard work and I mean, I was a kid, dude. I was like maybe in tenth grade. Yeah. Or eleventh grade at the oldest. Uh and uh I think you guys borrowed Mark's kit, which was, like, one of the first times that, like, a band that I really liked used some of our gear. Like, you know you are young when that was, like, <laughs> oh, a yeah, moment. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, these guys are sick, and they're using our stuff? Like,
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I've had that for
1: sure. Just, like, small stuff, man. And we were just super inspired by it, and we had that, that first EP, and we wore it out, man. Like, everywhere we went as a band, we had the Yardwork EP in the car, um so i feel like your your projects around that era had a lot to do with me like finding my groove as far as just like finding other bands that i really was inspired by but also connected with that was like a pretty big turning point for me man so that's awesome i'm glad we crossed paths i guess it was i mean i guess it was my older brother, Eli, who's really the reason that I first met you, because I think he booked that show, or, or at least he booked us on that show. Um,
0: I, th- I think, it, yeah, I think he had some some part to, he, he definitely was involved with it somehow. I don't think, I don't know if he booked us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know he was our connection to it. We, yeah. we were, you know, 16-year-olds in Georgetown, South Carolina. We didn't have, that was our only Atlanta connection but yeah. we played Atlanta a ton, man. We played Atlanta more than we played South Carolina around that time, I would say. Um, yeah, there were house shows and
0: stuff that were raging pretty... pretty. We were actually... That space was pretty cool, I, re, I remember.
1: Wonder Root, kind of, right? Was that where it was? Yeah,
0: basement of Wonder Root, and there was a house show that was happening, and I think originally we had tried to get on that house show. <laughs> Nice. It's it's how we booked it, but then they had booked too many hardcore vans or something, and uh, and then we were put on at the Wonder Route, and y'all were at it. Uh, yeah,
1: that
0: was it was a good time, man.
1: Totally, man. Yeah. Um. So how how long after you? I mean, I know yard work. Uh, you guys put out that that last EP. And then, were you already... Had you already put out some of your, like, solo material when you were doing yard work? Or was it after that, that you started recording more of your own stuff?
0: Uh, it was before that. I mean, my first my first solo stuff I really started doing were in 2004. Okay. Um, I mean, I did it before then, but it's not anything good to listen to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it was... I did bunch of four track stuff there's a lot of exploratory stuff that i didn't really share with a lot of people i'd do a couple of cdrs or whatever and honestly that kind of just continued except that i was meeting more people and so i sold more <laughs> or gave away more cdrs right but uh yeah 2004 i did um one i think i actually have it posted on my Bandcamp. Uh, with uh, James Cannon and Kane Naylor both living down in uh, Charleston now. Do you know you know Kane He's know. the dr- drummer for Dumb Doctors?
1: Oh, okay, yeah. I d- I know of them at least. I've seen him play a million times. Both of those guys are just
0: incredible musicians and uh, I met them in college and post college I, I was getting a little bit better with recording and everything on my four-track cassette machine. And I wanted to uh, capture capture something with them, so I wrote some tunes. And, and it's kind of like softer singer-songwriter stuff with really jazzy space drums and
1: uh, uh, vibrapholes. So so, where I mean, there's always been really instru- interesting instrumentation on your stuff, like you know, vibraphone is not uncommon for you, or uh, you know, just I feel like you've always explored things that don't necessarily that you know everybody's dabbled with guitar, drums, bass, but you know, a lot of people have never composed anything on a vibraphone or or any of these other yeah. instruments that you do is there is there was was there some point in college or at any point when you kind of started getting more tuned into that type of music
0: uh well I, I
1: honestly like going through college it was i was around
0: all this stuff because i was a music major and uh, it was just I wanted to use it. <laughs> right. it, was, it was it was it was really as simple as I just saw it there, loved the sound, and I was like, I've got to put this in some. I guess I do. I have some older solo stuff that is not on band campus pretty good. I could probably round up and send to you at some point. But some of that, it was like, yeah, I was sneaking, not really sneaking. I was a music major. I could just go in after hours. And I'd grab one of my friends that could play said instrument, and, uh, and I, you know, I'd you notate it on, the, on some paper or on a notation program on the computer and give it to them and set up a microphone and track it right there and then bounce the tracks down later and make space for another instrument. And, uh, yeah, it really was just the fact that I was around it. And also too I, I kind of I have a somewhat of an aversion like if I see if I see stuff being done it kind of checks a box for me if I see a bunch of people doing a particular thing I'm like well this is kind of being done I don't
1: yeah like don't don't really want to tread over this again right like, do, why, why do people want to hear another take on this right now yeah and and like honestly
0: like it's the most important thing to me is just the, the song. Right. The, the, what, whatever the song is and then everything else that shapes it. Um, it's kind of, I I feel like you can, you can play with that a lot more.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, uh, man. I feel like every artist has like a different thought process when it goes to like, what they are willing to add or what they, you know, are this their thoughts on production in general? Like you think of someone like, like Townsman's Van to me, it seems like he didn't really care what people did with the production on his songs, which sometimes, you know, sometimes whoever's producing it knocks it out of the park and it, and it all works out. But then sometimes there's like, depending on the record, some people he lets them kind of run away with it and do what they want and it doesn't really serve the song. But like you said, at the end of the day, the song, it's like, doesn't really matter what you do production-wise. If the song is great, it's going to be a great song and you can kind of hear through the like weird, out-of-place moments that might happen depending on who gets their hands on it. Um, Yeah. But I always thought it was interesting with him because like, from what I gathered, I think he was known for just kind of like when it came to recordings, like he was just like, I'm gonna go in and do my part. I, I, he didn't really ca- seem to care that much about what happened on the production level. Like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it is a whole <laughs> it's an entirely different side of the
1: field. Oh, you for know? sure. You you know, some you people that's just not their bag, I, and he's and he's just in a well, maybe a more extreme example of it. Uh, I mean, you know, it's ne- there's never a record where it's like a. Just horribly out of place production, but there's a few where it's just like, yeah, you know, the song would probably be better if it was just a guitar and his voice. But that's why I think his uh, his live records might stand out the most to me, just because they can't really. They're just the the songs are just in their rawest form. Then you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I know you and I have talked a little bit about it and. And correct me if i'm if i'm pronouncing it wrong but is it is it same deal new patronas is that how you pronounce that yeah uh so i mean you might feel like you're you're recycling some info because i know you and i have spoken about it but i just think it'd be pretty interesting to to have people who listen to the show hear about it but uh yeah there's a Pretty interesting backstory to the overall lyrical themes and musical themes of that record. I was wondering if you would uh want to speak a bit about it and tell us about how you came to that project
0: sure uh well, it was kind of <clears throat> I'd been recording
1: on a computer for a
0: little while, and uh it's getting better <laughs> you know about about blending instruments and everything, so I wanted to do something a little a little more um grand and uh i was working at Musac down in fort mill and which is uh, i recently have been furloughed from that job after 15 years wow but uh they might they supposedly they're bringing me back but we'll see uh but uh Anyway, I was listening to a bunch of different stuff. It's a job where I make I made playlists for businesses <clears throat> and uh, according to their brand and their atmosphere and what they're going for. And I kind of have to maintain a constant awareness of popular music and independent music and just the trends around it. And I also had to lyric check songs so i'm I'm constantly looking up people's lyrics reading them at the same time as listening to them and uh i feel like that job has had a real impact on everything else i've done just because there's so much i've listened to that i would not have come across otherwise but um Some of the things I was listening to were some uh, more, like, uh, regional Mexican music. And I was reading about uh, violence centered around the cartels and Juarez and everything. And um, at the time, it was not something that was—it wasn't talked about a whole lot in the United States— But uh, it just struck me, and especially reading about the musicians who were working within this atmosphere and writing corridos and everything. um, Basically, odes of, you know, like the adventures of drug cartel members. Right. And some of them are heroic. Some of them are love songs. Like, it's, it's all mixed in together with some of some of the violence and everything and it just i mean read, reading about it 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 struck me in a particular way and i got in a mood and decided to apply some of the themes and everything i was getting from that about love and family and some of the some of the violence and everything and uh decided to do my my take on it and i wrote this big crazy orchestrated album and it's not commercial whatsoever (laughs) and it's not it's not it doesn't sound mexican at all either but it's uh pretty involved and it's unusual I think and yeah that's that's about the story of that
1: it's definitely super ambitious but it's also so well crafted and it it, it, it's kind of got this sprawling soundscape to it but everything stays very cohesive and it's I
0: I arranged it all the way down (laughs)
1: yeah i mean I, I i i wrote every
0: little bit that that people are playing on there and uh and so it's it's timed out and it unfolds exactly the way i wanted it to at and the time.
1: what was that writing process like was it i mean first well, like, like how about how long do you feel like you spent really composing this record
0: uh i mean'd I'd, I'd say it was a few months
1: Geez, only a few months? That's.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I can, I can crank this stuff out pretty quick when I have the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, but um, this particular, like all the songs, I got together with Kane and James on drum set and vibraphone, and I was playing guitar, and I set them up. I had some, some rough sketches for us to play in the living room. And I set up, recorded it all, and then I arranged and wrote all the lyrics and every, everything around that um, from, from the initial, those initial recordings. So everybody's playing to really a trio of guitar, drum set, and vibraphone. And then we added saxophone, tuba, trumpet, trombone, violin, cello, pian- various keys... Um, additional percussion
1: um, did Davy end up playing at all on this record
0: no Davy's not on there
1: I feel like uh, he could have he could have found a place I feel like for sure um, oh yeah
0: uh, well especially now Davy got much more into alternate percussion and stuff after Moenda yeah yeah when his drum set got all deconstructed and got all the weird extra elements and then he went from there into chocola which now he plays he plays the
1: hell out of guiro <laughs> yeah so do they is there am i mistaken in thinking that maybe that he's like done some of the music for like capoeira events and like that yeah kind of... he's
0: yeah he's pretty heavily involved with capoeira and
1: uh he, i mean that's he, a um, whole that's just a whole and, another level of like Musical theater, almost, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it's like intense on a physical level too. For sure, it's Does a beautiful he know how to thing. Do any of the actual fighting or like absolutely. the fight dance? That's crazy. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. It, he I and guess he they don't actually make contact, right? In the whole thing, it's kind of like no. fight dancing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they <laughs> they make contact, but it's not intentional.
1: Right. Yeah. They'll whack each um, other on accident. Yeah, but
0: he and his wife. Uh, got into that, and then they they had a son, and it's a family affair now. Man, they they're all in there, and he's he's way in, into uh, way into it, and um, plays all the instruments.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I mean, the, a wealth of knowledge whenever you ventured that far out from like a, you know, like that's just a different. Mindset completely from you know getting together and writing some songs with your friends, which is beautiful in its own way, but uh you know there's got to be some sort of kickback on it as far as like on a creative level that is just not really comparable to yeah what we're all i've i've used seen to.
0: it I've seen it with him <laughs> i yeah. mean i've seen I've seen it him develop is that's one of the beautiful things about getting into your music scene and and really getting to know folks and sticking it out it's like man the amount of distance that musicians travel in 10 years is heavy man <laughs> it can oh, yeah, be dude. pretty I mean, pretty cool
1: absolutely i think back to where like you know about 10 years ago is probably about when you and i made not 10 years but not that far from it is when we made that dear blanca record together you know uh yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. Shit, that was like at tail end of 2011 so Getting close, but I mean, I think you know. In that time frame, I feel pretty incomparable to where I was then, as on multiple levels, and and you've changed so much from then too. You know, like since you know around that time, you weren't doing any of the patois stuff, and you've been doing patois counselors more in in the past few years, and that's that's a whole new realm of Musical territory, at least as far as as far as what yeah. I've heard that you've put out. Um, I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, I've, I feel like it comes a little bit from. My, that's why I mentioned it uh,
1: from my time with Greg. Really, that's awesome, <laughs> Greg. To yeah, some, uh, dude, to, I could totally experience. hear that the Fall influence in there for and,
0: sure. And you know what's funny is that his his old drum set. I still we still use it in patois counselors. He sold it to me. It was this red Premiere kit from the 70s. Well That is the same. I didn't the
1: know Premiere was around that long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same one you see Blondie using in music videos. I've seen Talking Heads yeah. <laughs> using it as well. Like a kind of a standard kit. He sold it to me for 70 bucks. and Damn. it's it was just sitting in his garage. And I, I still use it in the group. It still has the stickers. <laughs> That's awesome. That he yeah don't it and um yeah I, uh, it, I i like every time we play a show i like turn around and like nope this is uh Same.
1: still going strong oh yeah that's awesome man from um, his old punk days well speak speaking of your kind of production history man i know i know you've kind of spoken to me about how you don't really take on work production wise just to just to do it as because you're not really looking to be a producer, you just want to work on projects that you're excited about, and that yeah. like that's criteria number one. But even with that, within that context, you've recorded an insane amount of other people's music, right? Yeah, a
0: pretty good amount. Like if, mean, you, would, if you had
1: to take a shot in the dark at how many records, not including your own, that you've had a hand in production wise what what do you think you'd be looking at
0: pretty pretty good amount man i mean i've like i've been in Charlotte for fifteen years and i started i actually no man you should go all the way back and let me see i would i would guess around maybe 60 something like that I mean you can definitely put a number to it but it's 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 a pretty good bit and it depends on if you I mean you're counting would you count single single tracks or just I mean I've made I've made soundtracks for people that (laughs) nobody knows about all all kinds
1: of I don't know I really haven't kept count yeah yeah. it seems like it would be hard to do it
0: but uh, I mean, to some extent, if if somebody is, if somebody asks me, you usually I'll I'll consider it, and I'll, I'll usually say yes, unless I'm like very, very busy. Right. And then I'll tell them, well, I have to get to you some other time. But uh, but yeah, I mean, as 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 far as just money, uh. I'm not gonna do that, man. It's like I, I kind of, I saw pretty early on with the job at Musac the inner workings of the music industry and everything, and uh, I just don't care to subject myself really to to that kind of that kind of pressure. If I was in a situation where I could just do it, still do it exactly the way I want to do it, that would be fine with it but nobody's not on my door with me doing it exactly the way I want to do it so uh, yeah I'm right. just gonna just keep doing it like this man I get a lot of fulfillment a lot of enjoyment how to you know fine tuning things for other people and, and passing it along and seeing how much they enjoy it um, I mean just this Year I just finished the new record for this band called Acne here in Charlotte, and they're they're good man, they're real good. Uh, just a a punk band, but it's I don't know. It's a, there's there's it's intangible things sometimes when you hear a group, and it stands out to me, and it stands out to other people too. But sometimes, you know, it's not really a given that a band is super great <laughs> to most people, you know? Right. And it's, it's things that stand out to me. Um, and it's usually kind of their, their wiliness and the unique elements within that group. It's like when I first heard uh, your music, is your voice and just the the directness of your lyrics? I think I've told you this before, but uh, it felt like it felt like I was hearing like a like a field hollerer or something. <laughs> like your your projection was so earnest and so, but like like kind of with uh, it it is. Within your moment, you know it was right. kind of the the vibe I was getting um, and you know as any those are the projects I gravitate towards there's some people who ask me, and I'm like, "Hell, yes, <laughs> like how soon can we get you in here you know, yeah um, and those are those are the projects I really love working on. There's some people who ask me, and like i i I dig what they're doing. And I, I, I just find the best elements, and I try to accentuate that. And I try to be very upfront with bands when they ask. Um, it's like uh, just let them know. Like up until just recently, my recording has always been very basic. I mean, just like the the cheap cheap mics, uh, out of date. Computer interfaces. I mean, when I got my first computer interface, it was super dated because um, that was the best thing I could afford. And uh, just kind of tinkering until it sounds right. But recently, I've gotten a lot better and uh, I've slowly been upgrading my gear. I try to not really charge people uh, just because I... It's no real money <laughs> really that right. I that I get so I'm not like I could ask them for the actual amount if if I was pay, charging an hourly rate um, these people would not be able to pay it anyway so it's kind of futile
1: well but, it definitely keeps like everybody' is kind of in it for the cause at that point to a certain extent which yeah. I think has an effect on the overall. Product you know or
0: I, I think so, and I think I think just the the idea that somebody's doing that I think you know it kind of instills in people a pay it forward sort of attitude and i I think that kind of thing has helped help ultimately help the music scene yeah uh, here in Charlotte a little bit and uh well. and I, I feel like that attitude spreads you know it's like it it doesn't take much it takes a few people like really. Really doing it, and not like being skeezy or any shady dealings or or any weird ego applied to it, it's like well, it just makes it better for everybody it's just like this this all encompassing creative scene,
1: you know oh, for sure, man, I mean, if you hadn't been that open to helping us out when you did, I mean, especially on that first record i I would consider you like more than just a producer i mean you were essentially the third member of the band at that point in the sense that you played you know at least a third of all the bass guitar on it and you wrote all of those horn arrangements i mean obviously a big part of that was that mark and i were just like no we want we feel comfortable relinquishing control in a lot of ways as far as like I think I remember giving you like notes of like which songs I thought horns might serve well and maybe like general notes about the vibe of that part. But I never, I never so much as like recorded a you know like a guitar part and be like transpose this to sax for me or whatever. I mean the actual <laughs> yeah. all the lines, all that stuff is you, man. So like you're you're yeah. hugely influential over that record, but also just in the. Like, on a composition level, I'm real quick to put a fork in something as far as, like, I don't need... To, it's never really been a goal of mine to, like, to, f- to flex on, like, on... Oh, yeah, I I wrote every single part of this, which I'm amazed when people do, like like your records, for instance. But I, I would say the biggest driving force for me, or one of them, is the collaborative process so it's really exciting oh. for me to be like yeah this is my the nugget of an idea I have and let's see what, what we can make it not what I can make it and hire you to play a snare yeah. drum on or whatever you know like you're yeah I mean I, is, want, I want to work with people whose creative ideas matter to me not people who know how to turn the microphone on you know for
0: sure um, yeah yeah I mean I, I forget what I was looking at recently but I was looking up like interviews with producers, like tips and tricks and stuff. Right. mean you can never ultimately never see enough of that right. <laughs> eventually. I mean, you watch enough of it, and it all kind of start, they start to say the same stuff, or some completely useless nonsense that doesn't apply to you. But once somebody was saying that as a producer, you're not really p- being paid for your technical ability, you're being paid for your uh, taste.
1: Yeah, totally, and how you can um, sort of shepherd a record, yeah, to where it, and you know, it and benefits with the songs,
0: with with the alls record, I, I, I would definitely would not have imposed that on you guys, but it felt it felt right, like in, oh, the in my
1: <laughs> you know what I mean. A lot of well, them were kind of. I,
0: I would I would uh, I would actually argue against that necessarily. Oh, yeah? I f- I feel like that first. The first demo, was just drums and guitar. I feel like that's that, it was fantastic.
1: Well, I, and, I, I, appreciate, uh, I guess
0: I'm mean, more on a level of a. We could we could have done that, yeah, and it would have been sure. a fine
1: record. But it, it needed it, it for me to be as excited about it as I was, just because I I knew that we could we could pull that off. That's, the, the that's what thing. I was that's what I was
0: picking up on. Yeah. Honestly, it's like it's a, I'm a I was a little bit older, and I I felt like you guys were had a really good thing going and you had a good chemistry and you were looking for something that was kind of like a next step.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's probably one of the more, that record's probably the least representative of what a live Blanca set is like in the sense that, I mean, me and Mark played most everything live, but you know, we've never really had all of those, all of that instrumentation that's on that record happen live. Whereas most of our other records, I would say, are a little closer to the live versions of the songs. I think we wanted to make a record that was just. I mean, we, all of the projects Mark and I were in together prior to that, just kind of never got it together to make a record. And some of those songs were from, originated from those projects. And we kind of wanted to, I don't know, I guess we just wanted to be ambitious about it because it had taken so long for us to make the damn thing happen so that we were like let's and i mean i'm telling you really we heard same deal new patronas and we were like we need to get bo to record this and steal just a little bit of his stees if we can (laughs) like i mean we were floored by it like the horn arrangements and everything that's why I, i mean that's why there's so many horns on the first blanca record it's just us trying to like if anything we're riding your coattails as much as we can we were so into it man
0: Hey, I'm fine with that, man. It's like it was,
1: I'm I'm a big
0: proponent of like, you know, when, you know, if you can, all the all the ships rising together, you know, yeah, if, yeah. If, if you can. Well, and maybe now, it was just
1: because, like, you know, the the projects that I was in when you were doing yard work, like they were pretty wildly different in a lot of ways, and maybe maybe that record was the one where I was like, oh, I could maybe I could see how that type of vibe could mesh well with what i'm doing and i mean i've always loved like big ambitious arrangements i just don't think my brain is like kind of thinks in a minimalist way but i love big expansive records but sure. i instead of like pulling from the well that isn't always Overflowing. I'd rather just tap a few other people's wells, and that way yeah. we all got some leftovers afterwards. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a there's a whole lot that comes from collaboration uh, with other people, and I, that's kind of where where Patois counselors has wound up. Oh, nice. Because
1: um, Patois started with you. You were, I mean, you were writing all that stuff too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it initially started as uh i used fake names and everything like i didn't even put my own name oh, on no. it I um, didn't know that. yeah it's still posted at, with the fake names That's on the band awesome. camp right now but, <laughs> uh the first seven inch was i did two songs and uh posted it up under an alias and uh just posted it up for, sent it to some friends to listen to and i started to get some positive feedback and then I was like, I wonder if I can get a label to put this out as a seven-inch, because it was a punk thing. And I, you know, as friends with the the king of punk rock, Nick Good, um, who knows more about punk music than anybody else I know I've ever met. Uh, but uh, he and he lived with me for a while, so that was that was a big inspiration on that. But um, I sent it off to a label in L.A., Negative Jazz. And, uh, yeah, they were absolutely interested in putting it out. And so I added two more songs real quick, and I just played everything on there. But I tried, I wanted to, I I was like, I'm just going to turn this into a full band. And uh, I was giving, um, giving the parts to people to play but there's a something that happens you know when somebody else is playing it if you keep it loose enough like the interpretation they they put a little bit of themselves into it and it was uh I don't know I think it it really bumped things up and we've I've just finished the new album uh and I feel like it's it really um shines from that i don't know when there's a chemistry uh on the new one they're
1: all they're all playing on it yeah that's awesome man Um, yeah i mean they they all played on the on the full length
0: on the full length as well
1: did you did you end up pressing that one to to vinyl yeah oh yeah Yeah. dude if you still got some copies let me let me throw you some cash for one of those man i need to get that in the catalog
0: yeah I'll, i'll email it to you or uh i'll I'll, uh mail it (laughs) physically mail
1: it yeah email me that vinyl copy i'm (laughs) in
0: but uh but um the i feel like with the full length i was trying to obscure stuff a little bit like make it make it a little more mushy and mysterious and with the new one i was like well we've got like the content itself is obscure enough. And I was like, I'm just gonna make it super pristine and like very, very pronounced and plain, and not, not, uh, double up all the vocals and oh, everything. Yeah. Well, that'll and definitely so, make it
1: have like a, you know, not just feel like you're recycling the the first seven inch, or you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty pleased with the way the new one has come off, but um, yeah, as you can. That's something I've. T- you just talked to Seth Kaufman, I suppose. How did yeah, that interview
1: yeah. go? It went great, man. He uh, he seemed, he had some pretty good stories for us, man. He apparently, I don't know if it's gonna make the cut for the movie, but he recorded some '80s esque tracks for the Bill and Ted, the new Bill and Ted movie. That, but he said <laughs> they asked a lot of people. He wasn't sure if his made the cut, but I was like, man, what an, what a sick gig to even almost get, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty um, funny.
1: But yeah, no, he's but, he's staying busy riding his bike. It was, it was
0: So good I'm tip. sure I'm sure he can probably attest to that uh, as well. I don't know if he brought it up, but there's when you're when you're the only one putting it together, like you can kind of you can mess with some stuff or like let yourself be a little shakier or, or weirder and and the application of a, a new instrument or whatever to kind of to make it seem, have a little bit of the vibe of a full group. But I think ultimately there's nothing like having somebody else.
1: Oh yeah. You've got uh, multiple sensibilities, musical sensibilities to work with, which, you know, I think there's a lot of musicians who are like damn near musically schizophrenic and how well they can do that. Like someone like Anderson pack of a more recent, bigger artist, like he can touch on a million things and, I don't think he's playing... He's not playing everything on there, but as far as, like, a writing standpoint, he, you know, he can touch on so many different things and it still sounds like him or... And some people, as a player, can, you know, like, get out of their own, like, you know, uh, get out of that whatever their comfort zone is or, you know, mix it up and play it a little different than how they normally would. But it, there's nothing like... uh seeing what you thought a song could have sounded like and then hearing what it became yeah. with with a bunch of different players on it. But I see both sides of it, man. I mean I don't there's definitely not a right or wrong to it, you know? I mean, I love the Elliott Smith records where it's all him just as much as the ones where he's got people playing on it, you know? Yeah. And they're very different and I think that they I think the trick is just figuring out which albums are gonna be served best with each style, you know? Like uh sure. I don't think that the first Patois seven inch needs to be full band. You know, I think it sounds sick that you did everything on it, and it also means that when you did when you did present it to a full band, there's a real a pretty clear picture of where you're going with that project. Oh and, yeah. And, then, and instead that... of just building off of this skeleton of a song, there it's like a skeleton of a band. You know what I mean? And like that's that's an interesting jumping off point, uh, for for the rest of the players and patois to to get, you know. Yeah. And I think to to a certain extent there's something to be said about like from their perspective I, it's not too often for me where I'm where I'm brought in to play someone else's part. And so for on on those earlier patois songs if they are kind of more so playing what you wrote, that's like a new uh i mean it's like a new experience i think any of those experiences as a musician are important you know it's like a new challenge new am i am i cut out for playing other people's parts or am i just good at being me you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah there's been there's definitely been moments in practice where i've I've, uh i've been like you know just just do do your own thing with it or or you know if you get if it's if it's not really sitting well with you you know, just roll, roll
1: with something else. Yeah, generally, I mean, that's probably the best way to think about it. As far as like adapting it for the live stage is like, is it going to sound better to this person's trying to force my style to work for them, or if I just let them? Well, I can tell you right now, you never want it to be forced. Exactly. You want, like it's 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 a it's it's never gonna it's going to translate better them crushing it their way than them struggling to make it have your your exact touch to it, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's probably why there isn't more of that happening in the world. It's just because a lot of times if people go to the trouble of coming up with a part, they don't want to let it go.
1: Yeah, yeah. and, 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 that's, and I, that's, that's an interesting that's, thing, too, for sure. That's the
0: biggest skill, I, I think, as a producer is like, being able to just let shit go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. you have to just let it be how it is.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to only get so attached to whatever presentation there is because, you know, at the moment in any sort of live atmosphere is going to be served best by whatever is natural. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, some people are crazy good at like, at, uh, at, sort of picking up on someone else's touch and and nailing it. I mean that that's its own, its own right. yeah own accomplishment. When I mean I you gotta, I feel like the more familiar you are with session work or being a hired gun, the more you're used to that. Like if you're especially if you're like hired in to be part of touring bands, often. I yeah. think once you get into that racket you're probably honing those chops because i mean there's some people it's just like damn this dude heard the song one time and he plays it just like the like and that that's that's impressive you know because a lot of tracks like the part itself is attainable right you can play that drum beat but you cannot make it sound there's just something in the touch that is just so that player and it's never it's never going to be there but some Some people got that honed in, too. That's, I mean, I, I, you know, there's just so many different angles you can approach music from as far as like, you don't want to, I guess you always want to have an open mind and you, but you want to, but I, and I think that goes towards, even if it's, you know, even if somebody is saying like, all right, I want you to play this and have it sound just like the original. Yeah, that, that might not be very creatively satisfying but it, as far as your growth as a player it you know it's going to be a new challenge to be like all right i'm taking myself out of this like this is this isn't about me it's about the snare drum sound yeah. that's it yeah and that's yeah. you're going to learn from that too you know you might not apply it as often as you would uh anything you learn from creatively but you're going to benefit from any of that you know it's all part of the bigger picture of growing as a player um yeah I mean, I'm sure you had some interesting... I mean, being in the School of Music, there had to be some stuff that's just totally different from... You know, the homework assignments you would get would be... Like, I don't know what crossover there'd be in the DIY recording world is, <laughs> to some of the stuff that you're going to be expected of. Uh,
0: well, the best the best part about uh, going through music school was just... Developing all the skills to uh, be able to identify what what is happening, <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> immediately, you know, it's like, all right, well, here's some here's some sounds, and being able to place, you know, the 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 key, the tempo, the swing, the changes, like everything in in the moment that.
1: I that's probably yeah, it's the strongest beneficial skill. there. Yeah. So it saves you, you a but, ton of time too if you're not having yeah. to troubleshoot on like what is it that makes that moment that moment. You know it. Yeah. A little so more.
0: So so in in that regard, like music school didn't really tell me where to go, but they told me how to find out where I was oh, <laughs> at yeah. any particular moment.
1: So I mean that's that's huge, right? You can't get anywhere if you don't know where you are. True or, enough. well, that being said, some people have gotten pretty far, not having a damn clue where they are, myself included. So you know, <laughs> I guess it's just that—that's the thing. There's just a million paths, right? So I guess yeah, it, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, man. Um, so I mean, I—I I was just saying the same to Seth. You know, I know the year's kind of up in the air for everybody. But have you got any anything that you're particularly excited about, or that you're that you're, you know, interested in trying to accomplish creatively this year?
0: Uh, yes. Well, I just finished it uh, yeah, that, past this, record. Past, this past weekend. Uh, yeah, I was furloughed back in March.
1: Same year so man.
0: I've been uh been working, then I, I bought a house in February.
1: Oh, dude! Congrats! That's awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you. uh Yeah. So, so I've been repairing the house, and I actually have a music room in this place, which is incredible. I've i love it and it's it's perfectly situated in the house uh and man i i just it just feels like a new world it was like kind of like my yeah i went from recording in the bedroom all the time yeah for for over a decade into actually having a place where i've got all the keyboards set up and you know, every everything ready to go at a moment's notice.
1: Yeah, that's a game and, changer. Uh, well, and, dude, you uh, have to—you got to you gotta get that long overdue new Bow White album, man. It's been a minute since you've.
0: Yeah, I've I been mean,
1: taking notes on one.
0: Always, always keep a, a running tab. There's,
1: there's no shortage
0: of projects to p- do potentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. I guess it's, but it was, well, was, has there been something after kept one? that you put out under your own name
0: yeah yeah there's a there's a few of them on you might you might
1: enjoy them <laughs> yeah I, what what am i what am i missing what was what was right after that one
0: uh the the one that's up the most recent one that's up right now
1: is, i can't
0: oh time to deplane oh
1: yeah yeah i know that one that one's awesome
0: so, man. so time time to deplane that was a project with a friend of mine who was finishing his master's in art uh, in Minnesota, and he came back to Charlotte. He's from the Charlotte area, Preston Drum. And um, we tried to start a band together, but it didn't work out. But his art, his approach to art really vibes with with my approach to music. And he asked me to participate, and I was like, well, I will write an album for your art show. Oh, cool. And I performed the album from inside of a a black box that he constructed. And people crawled in through a tunnel and looked through a people, basically. Whoa. And then they could see me in there, but the music was being piped out. Well, how
1: big the, was this box? Like, How much space did you have to work with?
0: I, I was scrunched down. I was seated on a footstool. And it was probably uh it was probably five by six so
1: what what instruments did you have in there with you
0: with me i just had my guitar and i pre-recorded all the other instruments and i I I sang and all those awesome
1: sets you were doing with the with the backing tracks for a while man
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i would i would dub them to tape and then play them off of the cassette deck and then and then i also for a little while i would do just drum machine off my phone with the bass i did that in columbia with you i believe
1: yeah yeah you did it a couple times here and then uh i know you did that at neighborhood theater too that time we played together i think for the junior Astronomer show one of their yeah. birth- maybe one of their birthday shows or something but well, that's awesome man i'm, I'm glad that 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 came up i'm glad to hear that story about the the black box that's wild man
0: it was pretty cool pretty cool but so i just gave away that cdr at that show and posted it on my band that's that's a pretty good album if people kind of want a general vibe it's got kind of a uh, kind of a throwback feel and i played every everything on there and uh but uh, yeah i've got sketches for new stuff and now that i've finished the patois record i'll probably move on into maybe doing the next thing until I can find another job.
1: Yeah. I feel you on um, that, man. Well dude, it's it's been too long since we've uh, collaborated on something. I'd love to to yeah. brainstorm put some ideas together sometime.
0: Well, that's that's another thing is about having this house and having the music room now I it's funny that I'm now I would probably be even more likely to take on new projects and stuff but then we've now we're all isolating it's
1: separate yeah yeah but you know you gotta think we've never lived in a better time for tracking separately
0: you're right yeah somebody
1: can record guitars. fairly easy to record or whatever you know and they could record it to you and have you work some magic on it you know there's plenty of approaches to that I, i haven't done a ton of that over the years but i have a little bit recently and not as weird as you would think to just record all separate i'm just i'm so used to just going in the live room together or whatever but you know it's a new again it's different for me different approach but you know not in a bad way just change your pace
0: yeah yeah it's a, I definitely i'll I'll send you the the most recent the the mix of the patois record i think a, a couple of things might change on it but yeah. uh,
1: Please do, man. I'll, I'd love to hear it. Yeah,
0: and it has, of course, it hasn't been mastered or anything.
1: Yeah, you, do you have any uh, idea who you're going to get to master this one?
0: No. No, I don't. I might just leave it up to the label. Yeah. Um, we Is it going to be,
1: are you doing something with Negative Jazz again?
0: No, uh, neg- they did are, the first 7-inch. Uh,
1: was it Never Ever? Is that who you... Ever,
0: ever, ever, never. never. In gotcha. New York. And they're they're a great, super weird diverse label oh,
1: and yeah, uh, their roster is like very very <laughs> wide-ranging like is
0: in, in the best way like oh, the, yeah.
1: the first time i met josh
0: in person we were talking about stuff and his one of his label inspirations of course is uh, drag city oh
1: yeah just it's like be,
0: you know be, being fiercely independent and really diverse output but uh like a focus on a certain 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 type not i don't want to say type but certain level of creativity
1: yeah yeah, yeah. like creativity where that where the creative agenda is the focus and not definitely not record sales necessarily like no not man, not he, great records but you know what i mean like they're willing to take a chance on an artist because they love the art not because they know that they're gonna yeah. make their money back you know
0: yeah, absolutely yeah yeah which is you know it's great i mean it's it's definitely um in line with you know the way i like to do stuff it's yeah. it's basically it's basically like a it's a passion it's a little a little bit heavier than a hobby
1: oh yeah well and i mean in the it just is a different mindset you know if you have a if it, everybody can use a little bit of support but if the support you have isn't breathing down the back of your neck like all right how are we going to get this this investment back not that they aren't hoping for that but you know what i mean like that's not the end goal the end goal is like similar to how you go about who you choose to record it's not because someone is going to pay you x amount an hour it's because you're stoked on the project and that's just like the best energy you can start out with you know yeah Uh, that's
0: the only way i want to do it
1: man (laughs) yeah man well i'm glad that you're you keep finding people who are Kind of aligned with your vision, and that and it's working out, man. Um, yeah, good luck with with everything with that record. I can't wait to to hear what you send me, man.
0: Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, this has been pretty good talk. I hope, hope people got something out of oh, it. Oh
1: yeah, man, dude, it's been great talking with you. I feel like it, it's been long overdue. Um, hopefully, sooner than later, we can see each other in person and catch up again. All right. Sounds great. Well, cool, man. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, Dylan. Later, bud. All right, man. Bye, bye. Bye. This has been a Comfort Monk production.